0: Welcome aboard! We will be your guides during this magical journey into the movies. It's the perfect job for us because we love the movies. It's showtime. Ready when you are, CB. Action! Welcome to Montreal Radio, episode number 239. I'm Sean. And I'm Jackie. And we are kicking off the summer with a review and discussion of the Lindsay Lohan remake of The Parent Trap.
1: Yes, I am still very much on New York time because summer, well, I mean, really, it's summer year round down here. Yeah. But school lets out so much earlier, and I'm still in the mentality of school ending coinciding with the start of summer like it does in the northeast
0: yeah like end of june third week of june you're getting out of school as opposed to the kids here who have they've been on summer break for almost almost a month, a month. And we're, yeah. two, the, we're two weeks away from getting back to school ads down here how crazy is that
1: that's wild and yeah three weeks from halloween pretty much um but regardless because of the camp setting this movie always gave me all of the summer feels
0: Admittedly, this was one that escaped me until Disney+. Plus. I've said it before and I'll say it again. There is an age in which little boys are, for, for a while, phased out of Disney. I, I don't think so much anymore, but in the 90s, I think that you kind of got phased out. And this was one of those movies that came out in that kind of window where I was phased out of Disney. Right? It's, it's, it's not a male-led film. That's not the story. Um, 12, 13 year old boys are playing baseball. They're not going to watch two little girls in a movie. They're not going to watch a princess film. Right? So this was one that escaped me until, like I said, until Disney plus, uh, was this a standard for you as a summer kickoff? I'll put it to you: Is this to you what the sand lot was and still is
1: to me? Great question. Uh, No, I have actually only seen this one once or twice. The one that was the staple in my house was It Takes Two for both me and my brother. Chopin. Yes, (laughs) Chopin. I'd be delighted to play something from Chopin. Um, That is the most memorable line from that movie, right? Um, But yeah, that was more our standard and... Honestly, I think it is the better spin on this story because it addresses the big elephant in the room of why would you do this and separate your children? Um, so it takes two, you know, because they had it where one of the sisters was in foster care and, you know, it was just this big coincidence that they were separated at birth. And I, I love the cast in that movie. I love the setting. But it is almost a copy and paste of the parent trap.
0: Yes, but without spoiling too much of my review to kind of piggyback on something that you just said, the one thing that the parent trap does not do very well, and I was a little disappointed, if I'm being honest, sitting to watch the remake, because we talked on episode, I believe, 145 about the Haley Mills parent trap, and our thing was, why did the parents do this to the children? Why did they think this was a good idea? I was hoping that that would have been addressed here and cleaned up and they don't really do that. So you're right. In that respect, It Takes Two does a much better job.
1: Agreed. But It Takes Two aside, the other reason that it's sort of surprising that this one evaded me is because this was Lindsay Lohan's debut, and Lindsay Lowen grew up on Long Island. So I remember this being sort of big local news when it came out because it was, oh, you know, this girl you know, grew up, she, she got her shot. She made this remake of a classic movie. I remember it being a very, very big deal. And then, you know, cut to, uh, you know, almost 20 years later, we're working in radio. And I remember very distinctly that our morning show used to, <laughs> Sean's rolling his eyes. Long Island zone, Lindsay Lohan is what they used to love to say. But that was during an era where we did not want to claim her. And yet they loved to name Job. But I, I have to say, um, without spoiling too much, she's adorable in this movie. And I'm glad to see that she is turning everything around for herself. Her father
0: would call oh into my the radio God, station I to
1: about
0: that. keep himself relevant.
1: Oh my gosh, and I forgot about that. Gossip
0: about her.
1: That's right.
0: It was disgusting. So Lindsay grew up in the town next to mine. In fact, we knew somebody that, I don't remember if it was softball or soccer or lacrosse, but they were a youth coach of hers when she was, right before this movie came out. And they said she was always a cute Wonderful kid, but the parents were a train wreck, and I. It's so sad. I, I mean, I'm glad to see that she's on the up and up, but it's so sad to see what her life became, versus her in this film. Because she's so cute, yeah, in this film for sure, and she's so good to see what her life became and the train wreck that was her family life that didn't do any favors for her and 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 just i remember her dad would call the radio station and i'm like you you're like you're just coming up off of her like you're getting off on everything that she's doing because it keeps you famous yeah i mean they call him a television personality what has he ever done other than gossip about his own kid it's 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 disgusting and I almost, I always felt dirty when he would call into the station. But that's it. That's my rant. That's it. I completely
1: blocked that out. Holy cow.
0: I couldn't forget it. But is this a forgettable film? Is this a proper reimagining of a classic? That, on top of many other things, is what we are here to discuss
1: today. This episode is sponsored by Fierce Fox Co., designers of handmade silkscreen shirts. Fierce Fox has a t shirt, tank top hoodie, or crew neck for every fandom. So, whether it's the movies or theme parks, princesses or villains, the MCU or Star Wars, everyone will find something they love. The designs range from subtle quotes from our favorite films to iconic characters we can wear proudly in so many different styles, such as sketchbook and concert tees. Listeners of Monoreal Radio can get a discount using the code monoreal at checkout visit fiercefoxdesignco.com to check out all of the collections
0: following their brief marriage after a lavish wedding upon the queen elizabeth II, nick parker and liz james divorce and split their children up between napa valley in california and london england 11 years later at camp walden long lost twin sisters Hallie and Annie are reunited and after a summer of feuding come to realize that they are in fact long lost twin sisters. Having always wanted to meet their estranged parents, the girls decide to switch places with Hallie going to London and Annie going to Napa Valley. They learn to mimic each other's mannerisms and learn everything about each other to pull off the ruse. In London, Hallie meets her mother for the first time as well as her grandfather and is tasked, uh, tasked with learning how their parents met. In California, Annie meets her father and tips her hand by constantly saying dad and using proper English. So he knows that something is not right. Upon returning home, she learns that her father is engaged to a young gold digger named Meredith Blake, who only wants to marry Nick for his money and has no interest in Hallie at all. Annie calls Hallie to tell her about Meredith and tells her that they need to return to the U.S., but Hallie refuses as she wants more time with Liz. Jesse, who works as a nanny on the Vineyard property becomes suspicious of quote-unquote Hallie, and Nick tells her that he plans on marrying Meredith, and while Hallie keeps asking about Liz because she doesn't know why the marriage ended. So they all, they each had their own task at hand, one to find out how they met, one to find out why the marriage ended. Um... Annie confesses the truth to Jesse. Meanwhile, Nick navigates through her outbursts as she does not want him to be engaged to Meredith. Uh, Annie sends Hallie an emergency fax, so when Hallie leaves to use a public phone, her grandfather eavesdrops on the conversation, and she comes clean to him before confessing to Liz as to regards to what they have done, and convincing her to fly to Napa Valley to talk to Nick. She lies about Nick knowing that they are coming, and Martin, their butler, joins them for emotional support. Upon their arrival, Liz, who is drunk, realizes that Nick has no idea that she was arriving, and that he is to marry Meredith. The girls confess their plan to reunite their parents and end the engagement, and Martin and Jesse come clean that they also knew of the plan the entire time. Nick, who saw Liz in the lobby, pursues her. Meanwhile, Meredith meets Liz at the bar in the lobby and asks her to de- uh, to design her wedding dress because they don't know who each other are yet, and this is what Liz does for a, a living. In fact, she's quite famous for it. Nick and Liz reunite at the pool, and the girls expose that they switched places after camp. Meredith also ...learns that Nick and Liz are divorced. After a dinner cruise, their parents demand to know who is Annie, who is Hallie... ...and they want to return to normal. Go back to Napa, go back to London... The next day, Nick, Meredith, Hallie, and Annie leave for the annual camping trip that Nick and Hallie usually take before school starts, while Liz stays behind. The camping trip becomes a nightmare for Meredith, and Nick sees her for who she truly is. Back at the vineyard, Nick cooks a meal for Liz and shows her that he bought every bottle of red wine that was served at their wedding. He found every last one and bought All of them. Overwhelmed by everything, Liz and Annie go back to London where they are intercepted by Nick and Hallie who have taken the Concord overseas where they are waiting for them because they don't want to let them go a second time. Nick and Liz rekindle their love for each other and remarry upon the Queen Elizabeth II.
1: I enjoy how you straight up called Meredith a gold digger in your plot. Um... So before we get into this, one thing that I think is worth mentioning, because we are living in this age of remakes and sequels now, this was done at a time where remakes were not very common. And by and large, they stay true to all of the story beats. They just sort of made some updates to make it more contemporary for the 90s, like as far as um, Liz's job and... You know, the camp, it just feels a little bit more modern overall. But what I really applaud Disney doing here is that they didn't remake it for the sake of remaking it. They wanted to do it with updated technology. If it was just for the sake of retelling the story, they could have very easily cast twins and been done with it. And then the movie loses all of its charm. Right. But I like that they pursued this just to see what they could do with the tech, much like Disney did back in the 60s because... He was always about keep moving forward.
0: Yeah, and as opposed to having to shoot the movie twice and layer the film and print it, they, in essence, did shoot the movie twice, mm-hmm. but they were able to use modern blue screen, at the time it was blue screen, to put the girls together in the same uh, setting. With Then they would use body doubles for the eyelines and all that. Um, but yeah, I mean... It, I said when we reviewed The Parent Trap that I thought the text still looked good. I still think it looks good, but this is definitely seamless.
1: Yeah. um, I believe they did 100 shots in this version where the girls are in together, um, which I I think is more than the 60s version. But... um, for the most part they did use all those same tricks other than the blue screen you know like you said the body double in shots where you can only see one of their face and the the other one's back is turned um the blue screen shots are really when they're standing in front and behind each other but yeah. i think for the most part when they're um when they're next to each other they didn't like you said superimpose it the same way that they did uh with Haley Mills but they they would just line up the shots and then they had a robotic camera. So the the director of photography would go through with their camera, do the scene with Lindsay once and then where she switches sides, the camera records its own movements and then you just send in the robot so it does exactly the same thing and it can get that exact same shot so that they can line it up later. Yeah, it's amazing. What a headache that must be in post. But don't worry, post will always fix it um so off top the opening credits this is a masterclass it's in opening so credits good it, it's incredible i mean not only is it an upgrade from the bless our broken home stitch that we get at the beginning of the 60s version um which is all done with stop motion stop motion animation which is you know it's cool it's cool for the time it looks cool but like I remember when we reviewed that, we talked about just that jarring statement to have up over your opening credits. So here, I love how they eliminated that altogether. But we also get to see this love story play out instead of just hearing about it. And I like that they held on revealing Nick and Liz's faces until the very end of this sequence.
0: I love how it gives us their backstory. Because you're gonna have opening credits in every film, right? So instead of just having title cards and slate, like, don't waste it. Exactly. You're gonna have that screen time anyway. I love how they did this. It's so well shot, like everything. The then, set is incredible. Yeah, the camera flash at the end, and then you see the picture, and then we know that that picture is gonna get torn in half. Everything about it is really well done.
1: Yeah, that's that's definitely one of the ways that they elevated this film. Instead of having to, you know, we know we're gonna see the pictures later. But it's nice that we got to be a part of that story. And I think that's also a credit to the writer-director Nancy Myers, who is known for romantic comedies. I think she was the perfect choice to retell this story because they really let the romance breathe.
0: And if you really think about it, this movie is a meld between a traditional camp film and a traditional rom-com.
1: Exactly. Exactly.
0: Like, the the back half of the movie is almost a straight rom-com.
1: And it is like 90s perfection in that way.
0: Oh, yeah. You think about, like, what is that? My Best Friend's Wedding, and all of those films of that time, and this very much feels like that. Something that they don't really clean up, though, and there's only a handful of things, Camp Walden is a great set. However... I still don't understand what makes this camp so special. What is it about this camp that is so highly regarded? And this was a thing from the original film where it's like you're getting somebody from Boston, somebody from the West Coast, you're meeting them in the middle... And I said at the time, you do have to suspend a bit of reality because then you don't have a movie. We have to have this chance encounter. Right. But it was far fetched when you had them on different sides of the country. Now you have them on different continents. Yes. How did she, how did Annie land on this particular camp? I just wish that they would have had a throwaway line. Something that would have explained why this camp is just so special that you're getting people from all over the planet to go here.
1: You're absolutely right because it totally makes sense for Hallie to be there, but we definitely need more of an explanation for Annie. Not just geographically speaking, but I will buy the notion that Nick as a single father running a vineyard is not going to be able to watch Hallie the entire summer. So I'll totally buy that even though it's sort of tropey that he's going to send her off the camp. Annie. Who lives with her grandfather and also has a butler. I don't understand why she would even be going to camp in the first place. It's not like there's no one to watch her.
0: And it seems like she was the one that wanted to go there. Right. Because when Martin drops her off, he's like, if you change your mind, if you, it, it, doesn't seem like she was forced and i wish that she would have just said something to the effect of i want to rough it i want to i want beautiful scenery i want countryside i want this i want to experience a different country yeah because she is that little debutante right like she could get away with saying that and you would buy it it still wouldn't narrow down why it was this camp of all camps but at least it would have cleaned it up just a little bit
1: Speaking of dropping her off, I love her relationship with Martin and their special handshake. It's wonderful.
0: Off the rip. Yeah. And out of the gate, Lindsay Lohan is phenomenal because you're getting her Napa Valley and then you turn the corner and now here she comes from London and like her pronunciation, her accent is perfection.
1: What really impresses me the most is that she nails both as Hallie and Annie, but then once they do the switcheroo, she manages to sound like she is faking the British accent as Hallie. It's yes. it's incredible. And
0: when the British accent slips through yes. by accident when she can't pronounce every word it's it is a master class in dialect.
1: It's great. The one thing that doesn't hold up is a line of dialogue when Hallie first meets her two friends at camp and she, they're you know kind of grilling her about what life is like in California. And then she goes, what are you two Lucy and Ethel? Which kills me that that just doesn't hold anymore. I, I don't know that I, I feel like very few kids in the audience would have gotten that joke in the nineties. You may have been familiar with I love Lucy from Nick at night, but now Especially with these streaming wars, it's I love Lucy is very hard to find and that, that hurts my soul.
0: No, I think in the 90s that was that was a line that everybody knew. I mean, I love Lucy ran on Nick at Night every single day. And you know remember something. Our grandparents were adults during the dawn of television and watched shows like I Love Lucy with our parents. Right. So, I would agree that a modern audience now, because crazy as this sounds, our parents are now the grandparents. It would it's like how if you if if our generation was showing a show like Full House to their kids for the first time, mm-hmm. or Boy Meets World, mm-hmm. right, or Family Matters, or Fresh Prince. That's what I Love Lucy was to us. right? And I think that, well, and actually Full House being a great example, that's why it had a reboot. That's why Boy Meets World had a reboot.
1: But that's exactly my point is that now we are an entire generation removed. So I don't know that that joke is going to land anymore. Even if you stumble across this movie now and you you want to you know if if you are a preteen and you want to watch it they're going to go who it's that
0: um let's move on to their chance meeting while they're fencing each other
1: i go back and forth because i really like the fencing but i feel like the reveal sort of falls flat And I wish that they had sort of introduced the idea of this rivalry without them seeing each other yet. And they had held the reveal after, um, you know, there's sort of that tension building with them not liking each other and them, you know, having their own groups of friends all disliking each other instead of it being caused by them looking alike, which is exactly the same as they did it in the 60s. It was just like, you look like me. And then one twin starts ripping the other one's facial features apart, trying to make it sound like they look different when clearly they don't at all. Um, so I, I wish they would have just held on that a little bit longer and I feel like it would have raised the stakes if they were already being competitive with each other. And then you reveal, Oh, my rival looks like me. And I feel like it just would have landed so much harder. Um, because I feel like the Haley Mills one lands very hard and everybody around them is so shocked that they look alike. And here it's just kind of like, Oh, this is a coincidence. And then off they go. But I will say where it is improved for me is that, um, they don't make it all about a boy. I mean, obviously this is an all girls camp except for the one boy who, I don't know, got lost or something and ended up here. But in the Haley Mills version, it's very much they're putting each other down because they're competing for the same guy. So I like that that, you know, was more uh, more pro-feminist in the 90s.
0: Yeah, I I understand why they did the fencing thing, because you want them in a competition against each other without knowing who the other person is so that you get that reveal.
1: But it's a great visual, the fight itself. It's a great
0: visual. I just don't quite understand why you have fencing at a camp it's just not something that you would associate with a camp activity it's not canoeing it's not hiking it's not even archery it's not arts and crafts like I don't know of anybody fishing softball soccer basketball like we get basketball later but it just seems like an odd choice to have fencing as an activity when it's not at all an activity that you would associate with summer camp.
1: Yes, but I actually like this choice because you need a sport that we believe they're both going to be able to know, and I think that Hallie is a little bit more tomboyish, so I'll believe that she's picked this up, but. What sport are you gonna find that it's plausible for Annie to play? And because she is, to to your point, you said it earlier, she is that debutante, she would know how to fence.
0: I think just to make it a little bit more camp accurate, it could have been it could have been swimming. They they could have had a swimming competition where one is on one end of the dock, the other's on the other end of the dock, and there's five or six kids in between, they've got goggles on. They've got the swim cap on. They're not. They're not looking at each other. I would enough, buy that. I would buy that slightly more than fencing. That's my uh, just as a camp activity.
1: I'll give you that one, but I think the whole idea is to have that reveal when they're taking the helmet off, and that's what I'm right. saying. It just kind of falls flat. They build to the moment very nicely, but the reactions are just kind of like. Eh.
0: And how no? How does that, nobody yeah, know? Nobody else
1: has seen this. And
0: yeah, and. But to your point, they're all just kind of like, oh, wow, they look alike. And then they walk away. I don't know. This to me would be kind of it, – it would be very startling. Like imagine being the camp counselor, one of the adults, and you're like, I don't know how I'm going to tell these two apart. Right. You know, like did, did nobody – they're like, huh, what a coincidence. Let's go play poker. <laughs> you <know>? Yeah. That's <laughs> like – That's about as far as it goes.
1: There's not even like a throwaway line of, wait a second, you don't know each other? You're not twin, Because everybody knows enough who they are. They know the names. They know that they're not sisters, but nobody is, is miffed by this.
0: But do you know what holds up and what never gets old and what will never be questioned in any camp film? Camp pranks. Camp wars don't get old.
1: They don't, but I feel like these pranks are a little bit too elaborate for 11 year old. Like, how did they get a bed on top of a cabin? It
0: was the 90s. <laughs> I, I just live by it was the 90s.
1: I mean, that one I feel like was a little far-fetched. The other one that, that really kind of has me raising an eyebrow was that when Hallie loses the poker game the loser has to go jump in the lake naked. She does not even care about stripping down in front of the rest of these girls. All she cares about is that it's going to be cold. Meanwhile, she's standing on the dock waiting to jump in and um, doesn't was, care that everybody's looking at her. That, I said Hallie. Yeah, I, Hallie, Annie. Sorry, Annie. Yeah. She's Louise. This what I'm saying. <laughs> imagine
0: being a counselor here. But yeah, I mean, she doesn't seem all that uncomfortable with the notion of being naked. So much as she was upset that she lost her poker game.
1: Right. The other thing that I sort of bump on here is that there is no fear of getting punished. And I realize that this is not the same. You know, they, they weren't sent away to boarding school. You're not going to get kicked out and sent back home. It's a summer camp. It's pretty low stakes. But nobody is batting an eyelash over what the repercussions are.
0: Including, yeah, nobody wondered, gee, what are the adults going to think when they find all of the furniture on the roof of the cabin? And I just happened to put it up here by myself. Exactly. Um, But I do think that the payoff is worthwhile because getting them into the isolation cabin, you had to get them there, right? So they have to be punished. This scene in the isolation cabin when they start to put the pieces together is unbelievable.
1: Yes. I don't even mind that it is exactly, almost exactly the same beats as the Haley Mills version. Um, This one, I think the realization that they are twins is actually much better than the original. The build is better. The only thing I wish was that they had seen each other's necklaces first. And this is when they started putting the pieces together. Um, otherwise it's, it's almost shot for shot. The wind blows Hallie's pictures off the wall Annie helps pick them up and then they realize, you know, they get to talking because all they've been doing up until this point is fighting. So then they realize that one has a single dad, the other has a single mom and then it starts dawning on them. So I kind of wish that the necklace, which they don't point out until after they've already put the picture back together was sort of the jumping off point. Um, Another dated reference to Leonardo DiCaprio, which was kind of funny.
0: Yeah, and they could have been something as simple as they take the necklace off because they're getting ready to shower or something. And one picks it up and, hey, you took my necklace. And yeah. And they start button heads again in the isolation cabin to realize, wait, that's weird. You have the same necklace I do. Right. They, I mean, look. You can nitpick that, but I, I still think the scene is so good. And, and to your point, um, what I love about the scene here, and where I think they do it better here than they did in the original, is that in spite of the fact that it's shot by shot, the Haley Mills version, I think as a whole, was a light, a lot more lighthearted. Yes. Lindsay Lohan, what she does here, is carry an emotional weight. And an emotional release yes. that you would expect to see if you found out that you had a long-lost sibling. It's just not what the tone of the Haley Mills version was. And it didn't make it a bad film. It's a good film, but it's it's much better here.
1: Even before that, you do grasp the full weight of what it was like to grow up without the other parent. So I love that they lean into that. And to your point, yes, there are tears in their eyes when they realize that they're no longer an only child and that they've found family. Um, Yeah. I I think that was by and large, much better than the sixties version. Uh, What I also really like is the, the prep. Yes.
0: I love that they continued that.
1: Yeah, I mean, they do it. They do it great in the Haley Mills one. But here, I think any question that you might have had as far as like, well, how do you know where to go in the house? And and what if you slip up? And, you know, there's just so many more visuals that they're giving each other. And then, you know, Annie teaches Halley the handshake with Martin. They make sure that it's foolproof so that no one is going to question and no one is going to suspect what they've done. And what I really like about both versions of the film is that they don't lean into what could have been a comedy of errors of them trying to hide it. Like there are a few slips here and there and you do need them as to clue in, you know, not the parent, but you, you need to clue in the allies as to what's going on. So they do it just enough without um, making that the main thread is keeping the secret.
0: Yeah. I I love that they each had their own mission. Yes. That they each had their own task. The the ear piercing scene. That I I don't have a pierced ear, but even I wince when I see this scene.
1: Getting your ears pierced does not hurt when you go and have it done professionally, but roughing it with a needle and an ice cube, like that's that's not fun.
0: I can't imagine that it is.
1: Um, but it's it's so well done here too. The way yeah. that they shot it, it's it's pretty great. Um, so they leave camp. Hallie goes over to England. Yes. Um, this is where, to your point, they lean into the emotion a lot more too, because the scene where I, I mean, I'm the type of person where you say grandparent and I just fall to pieces because I just love my grandparents so much. Um. I can't even imagine what this was like to find out that aside from being separated your mother from your mother, you also have a grandfather. And I mean, maybe that's just me because I'd be looking at it as, you know, like how dare you? I get short enough time with my grandfather as it is while he's on this earth and now you're going to keep me from him. That was heartbreaking. But when when Hallie meets her mother for the first time, I can't watch this scene without getting a lump in my throat. It's just so well acted.
0: It's so well done. By the way, you want to talk about consistency? You said the same thing in episode 145 <laughs> about the grandparents. But the when, when she says to her mother, I missed you so much, and her mother just thinks that this is Annie saying that she missed her mom, who she just saw eight weeks ago.
1: And to a child, you know, eight weeks seems a really long time
0: the reunion's outstanding and the emotional, like you said, you you get the lump in your throat. And when she gets to like go with her mother to the studio and she sees what her mom does for a living. And she's like, wow, my mom is so cool.
1: I love that they did this. I mean, okay. A nineties fashion shoot is very tropey, but I do love the update to her profession here because In the Hallie Mills version, mom was just off to, oh, a Red Cross meeting and whatever her mother. Because in that one, it's both grandparents. Whatever her mother had planned for her, that's what she was doing. So I love that mom has her own career. And even though they don't lean into it nearly enough, that is part of the reason that they separated was because she wanted to pursue her own dream and not follow Nick's.
0: The thing when we get to Nick's, right, because we go to Napa, the reunion with Annie and her father is good. It does not nearly carry the emotional weight of Hallie with Liz.
1: It doesn't. And I don't think it needs to because then you get that beat in the car where she's can't stop calling him dad because she's never had a reason to call anyone dad. So I feel like had it been a very teary reunion, it just would have felt like too much of the same, but we do get her unique point of view just by being around him. And, and I also actually like the juxtaposition because with, with Hallie, it's all about the emotion of meeting her mother. And this is just, you're, you're my father, but I don't know you. You get an awkwardness that I think is needed.
0: And they do a lot of really good things here with Sammy the dog
1: yes, not recognizing,
0: very right? Really smart. Um, and Jesse immediately doesn't understand why Sammy's not excited to see her. The real brilliance of this scene, though, is when you get Annie and Meredith together.
1: Yes, I do... Before that though, I love Jesse and quote unquote Hallie's relationship or Yes, it is it is Hallie.
0: But it's Annie. But it's Annie. Yes.
1: Um But I love how Jesse just spills the tea on Meredith and plants all sorts of seeds. As if Annie's not gonna start to sabotage this on her own anyway. Right. Um the first time we watched this, I was kind of like, that's a lot to put on a child. Maybe just hold your own opinion. But the second time, I was kind of like, nah, nah. She she needed the push. She needed to know that there was somebody in her corner.
0: And it's very uncharacteristic of, of Annie to go out of her way and do the things that she does. The cannonball to get Meredith wet telling her that she's number 29 of the women that her father has pursued. Like it's oh, so I love it because she's so prim and proper. It's so out of character that she would do this, but I love that that's, that's immediately where she snapped to.
1: And I love that she did it before she even talks to Hallie. Yes. She just knew like, nope, red flag. We have to break them up. And she also recognized it's not just because of putting their parents back together. She just, she just, called her out for being a bad person.
0: Yeah. And what she does really well here is the the constant buying of time. Yes. Leaving conversations, interrupting conversations, because with the time difference, she can't just pick up the phone and call. Right. And later she gets called on that by Jesse because she's on the phone at midnight.
1: That is a very good observation. Because... What I hadn't considered as far as she needs to wait to call Hallie in London, Um, I get stuck on. Jesse's starting to catch on at this point, but Martin delivers the line. There's a girl on the line that sounds like your twin and nobody bats an eyelash because they all know a twin exists in the world. Right. So nobody thought that was weird.
0: Evidently, they did not.
1: And then Jesse starts grilling her on it and says, "Oh, you sound just like... Oh, well, never mind. It's you, you, you think you're you're thinking what they did do is what's happening. So why back away from that when you you kind of had Annie right where you wanted her, and then it's ah, oh, never mind.
0: Because on the off chance that she's wrong." She, oh. she can't be the one to clue in that there's a twin on the other side of the world.
1: Fair. I think we just needed a little bit more hesitation, uh, just a little bit of breathing room from Jesse because she flips on a dime.
0: It's a little cliched, right? Yeah. But I love the scene with Jesse. I love this scene where she does put the pieces together. I love that she does grill mm. her. And when she br- her, when she breaks down... And Nick can't understand why. And she realizes that she's looking at Annie for the first time. And she's not looking at Hallie anymore. Like, again, carrying emotional weight, they do it so well.
1: They do. And it is balanced. You know, this poor woman just had this bomb dropped on her. And now Meredith is summoning her with a bell.
0: Oh, my God. The bell.
1: It's for comedy, it's very well balanced. But, like, girl, why are you putting up with that? Nick, why are you letting her put up with it? Awful. Yeah. Awful,
0: awful. Nick didn't do himself any favors here. I mean, the bell is a very startling visual.
1: Because Jesse's not the butler. Martin is. Jesse is a nanny. Yeah, but... She doesn't need to make you a martini.
0: But treats are like garbage, right? I mean young young girl from money looking to marry more money. I mean, in terms of a caricature, they knocked it out of the park.
1: Well, that's it. That's why you do need this little beat, right? Because this is developing Meredith's character. And in the next scene, we see Annie actually confront her when yeah. when Meredith tells Nick like, no, let me let me try and go talk to her. Let's, you know, I've been there. Let me give her a woman's perspective. And meanwhile, Her ulterior motive is that she's going to go lay down the law. Um, I love that Annie is not afraid to call her on it immediately. And not only does she say that you're after my dad for his money, when Meredith kind of comes back to her, uh, Annie says, you know, you're not going to underestimate me, right? And then she says, I thought there was so much more to marriage than just sex. I love that they went for it.
0: The scene is outstanding. Both actresses yes. nailed it.
1: They might have they might as well have been boxing each other like that's how good the jabs were. And the pacing, the delivery, it's it's incredible.
0: And right after this happens, we're back in London where Hallie as Annie really shows her hand when she drinks the Merlot. And that's where I think her grandfather starts to see that something's a little off and then follows her outside to that public pay phone because she has the I'm woozy. I have to step out because now she's gotten the emergency fax, the 911 with the picture of the dog. And she knows now that she's got to call California and her grandfather is just standing outside and, and overhears the whole thing. And she's like, it's a long story. Well, this is a long park. We got a long way to walk. It, it's, it's absolutely brilliant. Everything about it is brilliant.
1: I love that Grandpa had her all figured out. But what I wish we would have seen was their relationship start to develop on its own before then. I mean, I realize without driving up the running time of this film, you have to keep the focus on what's happening in Napa because that's where your drama's coming from but the way that Jesse had all of those beats about questioning uh, Annie as Hallie because she kind of knew something was up. Grandpa doesn't have enough of those, but it would have been nice to see them forming their own relationship. Th- that's the one thing that the Hallie Mills version did a little bit better because um, they developed the relationship with Verbena, their nanny, right? Um, a little bit so that she does feel comfortable confiding in her. So I wish we just would have seen that where Hallie is able to confide in grandpa because she trusts him and you know, she knows that he's not going to put their whole plan in jeopardy question for you though. Do you think that Martin showed her the facts on purpose because the way that he leans over in the shot, he reveals it to camera. We need to see it. And we need to see Hallie getting the message. But I'm wondering if it was supposed to be that he's also sort of onto what's happening and he's kind of helping her along.
0: That's not well defined. Yeah. And the fact that he flashes this at her so that she can just barely see it without showing everybody what has come through would lead you to believe that he has started to figure it out. But unlike what they do with Jesse, we have not seen him start to figure it out on his own.
1: Right. That is also that's all supposed to be funneled through Grandpa. And that's where I'm saying I wish it would have developed a little bit more that he was onto her the whole time. Yeah, It it's the one weak shot in this film.
0: It is. So now Hallie confesses to Liz as to what they have done. And it's a great scene.
1: Another heartbreaker. Please don't be mad because I love you so much. And I hope that you can love me as me and not as Annie. Oh, my God. That's a lot for an 11-year-old. And this is where, like, I start to turn because I'm like, my God, you two are the most irresponsible parents.
0: And this is to my point. The next scene, Liz is smoking a cigarette, trying to pack her bags to go to California. And she literally says, I haven't seen him in 11 years. We did this so that we'd never have to see each other again. Why? That's their... Yes, because apparently he drove her crazy when they were married. So, So the entire reason why you did this... I mean, at least we got that much here. It's more than we got in the original. And it's like, it's plausible. You did this so you'd never have to see each other again. Fine. But it's a reason, but I don't know if it's a good enough reason.
1: Right. Because they sort of dance around it that everything happened so quickly and they didn't think it through and they were so young. Okay, fine. But you got pregnant. We never get. The the dialogue of, well, we tried to keep this family together, but this is why I couldn't stay. And instead you get, well, we were both starting our careers and that might have been a reason enough for you to break up as a couple. But when you have children involved, there should have been more of an explanation here. There should have been more depth to it. There, there just should have been more for us to bite into.
0: But on the plane we go, in the leather-clad Martin and all.
1: I love that he is coming as a friend and not a butler. I love that the gloves come off. I, I, I love any time. They do it in Richie Rich 2 with Cadbury, and I, I don't care. I love a British butler just breaking the walls down. So
0: we get to the Stratford Hotel, and um, Liz is drunk. Drinking the airplane bottles in the limousine. Chugging vodka in the limousine. That was funny. It was very well done.
1: What I don't entirely love, though, is this noises-off sort of sequence in the lobby with who's going in the elevator, who's entering, who's exiting. I mean, I get the chaos that they were trying to create, and for the most part, it's well done. But once they start going up to the rooms... And it's, you know, Meredith and Nick are gonna go check out the honeymoon suite. And then the girls go up to the floor and they're with her mother. Um, then Meredith comes back down without Nick for whatever reason and she's like, You're late. And and her parents are off, I have no idea where. It <coughs> I see what they were trying to do, but you don't give enough reasons for these characters to keep splitting off in different directions
0: see and my note is that the elevator and lobby scene is one of the best scenes that we've ever seen as (laughs) we sit here Ah! and review films for Monorail radio i i for one and i thought noise is off the same way that you did i i think that this is absolutely brilliant
1: i mean i love it for Sammy when he sees the real Hallie and he runs to her. I think that's great. But I just feel like we've been building up to this so much. I think it's funny that Liz is drunk, but I don't love that they don't have their moment. where like, we're really getting inside. Well, no, I mean, they, they do get inside their heads plenty because clearly Nick, he doesn't care that Mel- Meredith is all up on him and he sees the love of his life across the way and, and he's completely shocked. Yeah. I guess it's that she just sort of waves. We don't get inside her head enough. We know that she was nervous leading up to this moment. But like, what are you feeling now that you actually see him? Like, why are you not chasing him into the elevator? Well, she's drunk. And there's another woman that she wasn't expecting. Because that's right. They have not told her about Meredith.
0: She they she does not know that he's engaged. She thinks that he knew that she was coming the whole time.
1: Yes. Which I do like. I like that the girls are still continuing to scheme at this point.
0: Yeah. Uh, we meet Meredith's parents. And by the way, Vicky is Vicky.
1: You can call me Aunt Vicky. I love that they cast the same actress who was Meredith's character in the Haley Mills version.
0: But they are as much the gold diggers as she is because she says to them, he is everything that you wanted for me plus a few million more. And they're like, oh, very good. Very good. You've done well.
1: Yes. (laughs) Um, The ad that I also really love here is that, liz and meredith meet independent of everyone else yes and then meredith makes it about herself what a surprise when she f- and this is where not only giving liz a job but the job that they chose is so brilliant because she's a wedding dress designer so now meredith is oh my god i loved your the the dress that i saw in vogue i faxed your office you're out of town and this was meant to happen design my dress. yeah that whole thing is wonderful
0: And I totally believe that if there was anybody that would know a world-famous wedding gown designer, that it would have been Meredith.
1: Right, because she's been planning this and marrying into money since she was five. That's also a great line of dialogue. Um, I believe that she says it in that scene we were talking about where um, her and Annie are sitting on the swing. She doesn't say... um, I've wanted to marry someone like your dad my whole life. Because she's trying to plead her case that she really loves him. Right. She says he's exactly the type of person I plan to marry. So this has all been your deal the whole time.
0: Right. And then you get the scene at the pool where Nick falls into the pool.
1: Because you have to. Because you have to. And it's
0: fine. And he gets himself out and Liz is patching him up. And Meredith has this moment where she now realizes that not only are they divorced, but now there's two kids in the picture, not just one.
1: That is one of the best reveals. Um, I actually like, even though it is an exact copy of the Haley Mills version that he again falls in the pool because it sort of levels the playing field with Liz because she's drunk. And, you know she needed to lower her inhibitions to to get through this meeting, so now it's kind of like, you know, he did check with I believe it was Annie that he passed first. He's like, do I do I look okay? So he's nervous to go and meet her, but now they're completely on equal ground. Um, the only thing that does sort of lose me in these couple of beats, they've already revealed their plan to the mother obviously she knows there's two of them there they've sat in the same room this is the first time dad sees two of them so they're explaining well we switched after camp and i feel like there's a lot of dialogue to explain that especially like when we obviously already know and then they explain it again to meredith it's like once would have been fine and we don't need you to explain this to meredith this is her nightmare that there's two of you Right. She can't stand you. She wants to send you off to boarding school. So we're going to get a good enough reaction from her regardless. We don't need to be so heavy handed with, I went back to London and I went back to Napa.
0: Right. If there's one thing that happens here that is distracting to me, it's the change in light. Like when when Liz sits with Nick to patch him up on that chaise lounge, mm-hmm. you can tell that that must have been a couple of hours after they shot the scene where he falls into the pool because it looks like you're just about to enter dusk the lighting on the actors is completely different. It's noticeably darker. It looks like a completely different time of the day when all that happened was he fell into the pool and she walked to the other side of it. That didn't take two hours to do.
1: They probably shot one at sunrise and one at sunset, and now you're kind of seeing the difference because to do all of that at sunset is a lot. You're not going to have enough time to get those shots. And the other reason you're seeing that difference is because they would have shot it twice anyway, once with Lindsay as Hallie and once with Annie. Correct. For the most part, they were very careful to cover up like the shadows and stuff that were cast. Like if there was, cause Lindsay would often act off of a double and the double would sometimes cast a shadow and they would account for that. But my guess is they shot Hallie's side of it in the morning and Annie's in the afternoon or vice versa. And That's one of the things that you're going to have very little control over. So actually, to that end, it is surprised that they it's a surprise that they would need to do the pool beat again. Right. Because that's a very risky move is that you're playing with the time of day or like, why not an indoor pool where you can control the lighting?
0: And so the next day we're back at the vineyard getting ready to go on this camping trip.
1: Oh, well wait. Before before we get there. Okay. I have a couple of notes All because right. the twins with the help of Grandpa have set up this magical evening recreating the first date.
0: Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. On the
1: on the Queen Anne. Well, it's not the Queen Anne now, but they recreate the first date with the help of Grandpa paying for it plus Jesse and Martin who have their their own little thing going on with each other at this point. My question is, with Meredith being so overbearing already, how did they shake her for the night? Because I feel like doing this under the guise of, you know, we've never had dinner as a family altogether is not going to be enough where where Meredith's going to go, you know what, you have been denied quite a lot. Why don't you go do that? Go have dinner with your ex.
0: Gin and Xanax. That's just what I assume (laughs) it is. And and if you've paid attention to anything that Meredith has said up to this point, it's completely plausible that that's just gin and Xanax.
1: Yeah, and and spending her father's money to plan this wedding, I'll I'll give that a pass. What I can't give a pass though is that, you know, we we said at the top of the show, they do make this more about the rom com elements, so we are starting to see the guard come down a little bit. Nick obviously still very much cares for, I mean, they both do care for each other, but Nick is willing to put him, the one who's engaged is willing to put himself out there and extend the olive branch more. Um, But what I sort of bump on is that in the Haley Mills version, those parents could not be in the same room without bickering. And what that all leads to is they're bickering because they obviously still have feelings for each other. But we see why you argued so much. We see why you're not together here. These two can stand to be in the same room as each other and have a conversation. And all the feelings are still there. They are floating to the surface. So this is, again, where you feel that their divorce is underdeveloped. And this would be the beat to talk about it. They do talk about the day that she left. We get that um, she threw a dryer at his head and then packed up her bags and just left. And then her reason for standing her ground is that you didn't come after me. And he's like, I didn't know. He's a guy. You do need to spell those things out. But.
0: I also don't have a ton of sympathy for her if she threw a projectile at his head and walked out. I mean, I can't say that I'd be in any rush to chase her down either.
1: Right. But I mean, again, you've danced around. You both had careers to pursue. You know, he points out at the beginning of their dinner, oh, are you still doodling on the napkin? So, like, you do get the idea of they chose their careers over each other. But you just needed to to say it it didn't need to be heavy-handed we just needed a moment of why you didn't fight harder for your family and why you thought it was appropriate well we each get a girl because we have twins we get the same thing everybody wins this is not like in national treasure when ben is arguing with um with abigail over the end tables and they're like all right we'll split them up the girls are not end tables it's a human and you've denied them not only a relationship with their other parent, but with each other. The fact that that never gets hit on in all of this. Again, irresponsible parenting.
0: It There was a mess to be cleaned up. And I think that it's a major miss that they didn't take the opportunity, considering you remade the film, to clean it up and give us more of a reason than, well, we didn't want to see each other anymore. There's a lot of people that have kids that get divorces and don't see each other anymore, but they don't split the family apart.
1: Or they at least hold, hold on for a little bit longer because here, in the beginning, they also put up the title card that says 11 years and nine months. So you didn't even make it through pregnancy.
0: It's startling to save the least. Well,
1: rest. actually, no, the timeline is not ending up. She would have had to make it through pregnancy to to give him Hallie.
0: I don't remember it saying... But Jesse
1: talks about seeing Annie as a baby. I, I
0: was going to... I don't recall it saying 11 years and 9 months later. It did. Did it? Mm-hmm. All right, well... Go. But
1: they then the girls say that they're about to be 12.
0: So it could be... Well, yeah, I mean, it could be 11 years and 9 months later that you're seeing this, but she may have left... 10 years and 9 months later. We don't the th- we don't know how long this marriage lasted.
1: Well, we can sort of figure it out though because all right, 11 years and 9 months later, that would the 9 months accounts for the pregnancy. They're meeting over the summer and they say that they will be I remember because it's your birthday. They're yeah. going to be 12 on October 11th. Yeah. So they're a couple of months shy of 12. Okay, so they were together after the pregnancy. They did have some time as a family before they split up.
0: Yes, albeit very little
1: time. But that's where you need to hit on why they didn't stay together for the kids, or at least try a little bit harder.
0: Missed opportunity. Let's get to the camping trip. Yes. So now we're back at the vineyard. We're going to take the annual camping trip that Nick takes with Hallie.
1: Because the girls have threatened not to tell them who is who. Correct. And that's how they get Liz to stay.
0: They think that they're going camping, the four of them. Turns out that Liz, very intelligently, sits this one out and has Meredith go in her place because she knows she's giving Meredith the rope to hang herself with and exactly. she knows it. It's, yeah. it's really well done. She's
1: going to let her sink her own ship. Instead of being what comes between Meredith and Nick, which is what the girls are trying to have happen... You know, and and that's I I like that she's taking the high road is let Nick realize on his own what he wants, because if he's her whole thing is you didn't chase after me. So instead of inserting myself in the situation and forcing you to make a decision, make it on your own. And then if we can work this out, we work it out.
0: And I like the camping trip in regards to its pacing, because you could have lived in this scene for 15 minutes and it would have been way too much. It's a very quick-moving scene. You don't need more of it. They put a lizard in Meredith's hair. They give her the sugar water that she thinks is bug-repellent, the smacking the sticks together for the mountain lions. We will suspend reality and not question how they... Well, no, because she took a big sleeping pill. That's how they were able to get her out of the tent on the air mattress, though somehow never awakening Nick either. Right. We'll suspend that. But it was just enough time to have Meredith expose herself for what she truly is.
1: The only thing that I bump on is during the hike, somehow Nick and Annie are standing in the exact same place, but only Annie sees what Hallie is doing as far as putting the rocks in her bag and putting the lizard on her. In the Haley Mills version, he goes up ahead. Right. And then they do all of the pranks they should have allowed that to happen again because it's like, Nick, w- what your eyeline is looking right at her. You you had to have seen these rocks go into the bag. Um, but everything else, even though it's, you know, the exact same beats, um, it still works. The only thing that I, I don't love about it too, I think the mountain lion thing is so funny with the clapping the sticks together. Um, but there's no setup for it this time. It's just, we see... The we see the um that they've replaced the mosquito repellent right, um, and then to your point, I do like the pacing very much. So I guess you're not going to show that that conversation where they overhear. You know, they stage it so Meredith thinks that that's what you need to do with the mountain lions, right? Um, in the Haley Mills Mills version, I should say they stage it in front of Vicky so that Vicky is clapping the sticks together, right? And here you learn after the fact that they told Meredith that that's what you should do. Um, the other thing that I do really like is that in the Haley mills version, they send Vicki back with, um, I believe his name is Hank. I just watched it the other day um, who, who works with the father um, and she does all these horrible things And she slaps one of them. Right. But you're still not going to let a lady go back down by herself. You're going to escort her. Here, I love that they hang Meredith out to dry.
0: Yeah. It's well done. She gets her comeuppance. And I like that Nick has... He doesn't even have to think about it. He's like, well, I pick them. I'm going to pick them over you. Because the thing is, up to this point, and I like Nick. I do too. But he's kind of dumb. He's not the most intelligent character in this film
1: he's a little animated little mermaid prince eric
0: a little bit like he's not a stupid person and he's got a good heart but he's just he cannot see what's in front of his own face
1: but that's where you get a big payoff because he makes the decision independent of liz that meredith is just a nightmare and she has to go because she's treating the girls horribly
0: And then the payoff is in the next scene where they go back to the vineyard. Martin and Jesse are gone. They're off doing their own thing. So he has to cook pasta because it's the only thing that he knows how to cook. And he's going to have this really nice night with Liz where they have dinner. And he shows her his collection of wine and shows her that he bought every bottle that he could find in existence of the red wine that was served at their wedding this is where this is where him having a good heart pays off. You needed this scene.
1: I love this scene. I love that he f- tracked down every bottle because he's still holding the candle for her. And I also like the switcheroo because in the Hayley Mills version, she's already got dinner started because she, she sent home Verbena and she's like, all right, I'm just going to kick it myself. Um, so I like that he's putting the effort forward. What I don't like though is that he has made his intentions clear. He's extended the olive branch. He's all but spelled out I'm ready to try again. And and he says, you know, you you don't have to be brave all the time. Like just just let this happen. Let's do it. And she's no we can't. Why?
0: Jesse's back. I need to leave.
1: Why? You were about to kiss him.
0: Yeah. If there's one other gripe that I have with this film, and it, there's not many of them, it's that there was no reason for that... Well, the the entire reason why that happened was so that she could take Annie and get on a plane and leave so that he would take the Concorde with Hallie and intercept them. Which, all of that was not really necessary. You could have had them have the moment in the wine cellar, cut to the montage of the second wedding, and ended the film, and no one would have criticized
1: it. Right, because why are you making him chase you again? Like, he's been the one pursuing you this entire time. He's the one who called off his engagement, so what else do you need from him to show that he's ready to commit? You also see that he's not the guy that you fell in love with, 11 years ago right he has a job he's very committed to his career and like that's that's something that they could have done 90s tropey as it is you could have made it about i didn't feel like you were committed right and now he's he's got his whole life together and he is ready for you and now you're running why i think that that is another 90s trope that they leaned into of it's not you it's me
0: A little too much. I mean, it's but that's those are the rom coms, right? That's the thing. When you do get a director that specializes in rom coms, that was everything about '90s rom coms.
1: I think it would have been more effective because once he does go chase her down and they're all back in England, which is after a heartbreaking scene of tearing these two girls apart again. Right. I mean, there was not even a conversation had of well. If you don't want to make this family work, you go back to your dress shop, you design your wedding dresses. But like we're going to at least keep the girls together. But then that it wouldn't have made the moment land when he does go chase her down. But when they do arrive in England and and they realize that Nick and Hallie have beat them home, which, okay, the concord. I mean, that was a big thing. Back in the 90s, that was like a pretty new thing that you could take the Concord.
0: Yeah, and that's since been discontinued. Yeah,
1: but anyway, I digress. Um, she launches into, but how are we going to do this and have a, a bi-continental relationship and you're going to run your vineyard and I'm going to do my job? That would have been the conversation to have when he's trying to patch things up and, and to expose why you're so hesitant. Right. Instead of just... Nope, there's dust in my eye, but not really, and I'm not going to kiss you. Oh, Jesse, thank God, Saved by the Bell.
0: Right. Um, do you have any other notes on the end of this film here, or are we just about ready to move on to our cast?
1: Um, no, just that, I mean, as much as you didn't have to move them to London and I feel like there were a million other ways to go about this. I do like that the reason they chose they leaned into was that he left her and he tells her, "I we were not going to let you two go again. Um, so as much as I don't love all of the the ways that we landed here, they at least followed through with that dialogue.
0: All right. Let's talk about the cast. Lindsay Lohan plays the dual role of Hallie and Annie. And, I mean, what else do we need to say? She's absolutely perfect in this movie.
1: She's incredible. Um, It's unbelievable that this was her first film and she was able to not only grasp the dual role, but all of the technicality involved in having to do both. Um, Because they even had... um, Earbuds custom fit for her where she would listen to her saying the dialogue is one twin and then have to time it out instead of just having a double or somebody off camera reading to her. She just so fully understood the the technical aspects of how this was going to work. It's so impressive. And um, the way that she nails both characters is absolutely amazing, not just the accents, but to. To believably portray one girl having to hide in plain sight as the other one. Um, It's just a massive undertaking, and I think she nails it. And she makes this film just as charming as the original.
0: Dennis Quaid plays Nick. I said it to you before, just a moment ago. Not the sharpest tool in the shed but certainly not a dumb person by any stretch of the imagination. Um, I love that he's a little clumsy. I love his disposition when it comes to his daughters. I think that he's very endearing. Uh, Do I like this character as much as I like the father in the original? Probably not, but something that they do better here is that To the point you made earlier, we don't see them bicker, so we don't really understand why their marriage failed. But to the other extreme, they bicker so much in the original film that it's almost incomprehensible that they would have even gotten back together.
1: Right. And that's where I think I like Nick better than the original. Um, I agree with you. He does need things spelled out for him, but... I like that I I wouldn't you know what I've called Prince Eric dumb I wouldn't say that Nick is dumb I would say that he's just a simple man you know and I like that juxtaposition with this character because when you think of wine you think about something um you know it's it's cultural right and it would make him seem like such a worldly person, but that's not the area that he's interested in. I mean, he is as a collector, but really it's just like, I want to go out and work the farm. And I think that the simplicity works here um, because Meredith is attracted to the money end of it and the wine end of it, but not to him as a person because he's not buying into his own hype in that regard. And I think that's where you needed to keep him, um, Simple And it also has to work with Liz because she's becoming famous for her wedding designs. You, you need that balance.
0: Yeah, Liz played by Natasha Richardson. Um She was so good in this film. She was, you know, I mean, for a lack of better term, maternal because she plays the mother. But she really does have that maternal instinct. And she is very calm and very soothing. And there's... Other than the point where she gets intoxicated, there's never a moment in this film where you don't believe that she does not have control of the situation.
1: I would agree with that. The only thing that I wish that they had leaned into more was how difficult it must have been as a mother to give up a child. You know, it it's not like they put one of them up for adoption, but I think it just would have been nice to lean into that maternal POV a little bit more as far as this just being insanely difficult to have to give one of them up. Yeah. And I think it would have made her a little bit more sympathetic.
0: Elaine Hendricks plays Meredith. And I think that she's so good here. She, she's good with the physical comedy. She's good being the butt end of the joke. But she's so calculated and evil at the same time. I thought that she was fantastic.
1: I would agree because the way that she is so good, you know, we talked about that scene where her and Annie are just back and forth and the pacing is so good. And she is diabolical, but she's got a smile on her face the entire time. And she knows she needs to play the part of, yes, I'm mean, but I'm going to cover that up because I want what I want. And she knows she has to hide that in front of Nick. I thought you were going to have the chops to do a villain, but I was not expecting how good the physical comedy would be to balance that out. Like usually, you know, it's sort of one or the other. It's hard to do both, but, um, that scene where the lizard is in her mouth, that's like one of the Disney iconic scenes. Like that is your beauty and the beast chandelier shot. It is in so many montages. Um, and I think it's, Because of her, the way that she's able to to just pull off that look, that cross-eyed look.
0: Yeah. Lisa Ann Walter and Simon Kuntz play Jesse and Martin. And I love that they are basically playing the same character, yet they do it so completely different.
1: Yeah, I mean, did we need the subplot with their romance? No. But do we love it anyway? Yes.
0: Yeah, it, not necessary, but it it wasn't a it didn't take away from the overall. But I love the relationship that each of them have with their perspective twin.
1: Yes, yes.
0: And I love that after they realize the switch is made, they don't treat them any differently. Yeah. Um. All right. Final thoughts on the remake of the Parent Trap. I'll let you go first.
1: Um, it's not perfect. Because they still didn't address some of the outstanding questions from the 60s. But I think it's a rare, better remake um, that's not throwing any shade at the Hayley Mills version. Because we do like that one very much. I think it's charming as all hell. But so is this in its own right. It's just, it, you know what, it was worth Look what happens when you wait 35 years and let something breathe and then you remake it. Um, You know, it was updated for the time and the changes all worked. But I think what really puts this one over the top is this amazing cast, most notably Lindsay Lohan. She was incredible.
0: Yeah, I don't have much else to add. There were opportunities for them to clean some things up. They didn't. Um, If you're going to remake a movie, I think that that's part of the appeal of remaking it it's so close to being a perfect film but it's just not I like the original I love this one even more I've seen this movie maybe three times and I can tell you that I love this movie
1: and if you've not seen either what are you waiting for? You will find something to enjoy in both of them. I, I would recommend watching both.
0: Absolutely. And do it while you can, because we don't know how long anything's oh, going to be on Disney Plus anymore.
1: But we're interested in
0: hearing what you have to say about The Parent Trap. You can let us know on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Monoreal Radio, or you can email us, monorealradio at com. We are going to take a quick break. Hey, guys. My name is Mike. I listen to Jackie and Sean's podcast every week on my commute into work. So I reached out to Jackie and she helped me put together the perfect getaway. I did a four night Disney cruise ship and she was able to answer every question that I threw at her. She put together the perfect dates and an insurance plan that made the whole experience stress free. She was able to help me with little tips and tricks like you can get a Mickey Mouse bar delivered to you any time of the day. And I think that was a mistake because now I put about 10, 15 pounds on. I'll definitely be using Jackie again in the future. Thanks for everything.
1: So if you are interested in completely free assistance, planning your Disney vacation, you can get in touch with me through any of our social media outlets at monoreal radio on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Or you can email me directly at j.zolezzi, that's Z-O-L-E-Z-Z-I, at MagicalVacationPlanner.com. Hi, this is Kelly from Karma and Kismet, your official monorail news sponsor. And I am very excited to throw it over to Sean and Jackie to talk all about the Disney news. But before I do that, I want to make sure that I share with you guys where you can check out all of my Disney-inspired art at KarmaAndKismetDesigns.com.
0: Don't forget that listeners of the show get a 10% discount with the code MONOREAL10 at checkout to see all of Kelly's artwork and all of her services. It is online at KarmaAndKismetDesigns.com. Kismetdesigns.com. That's karma, the letter N, Kismetdesigns.com. For news of the week, we just released a dockside chat a few hours ago. All of our news is is in that chat, and we deep dive into all of the news with margaritas in hand from Dockside at Disney Springs. So we're not going to hash out the news again. You can listen to it there, and we get really in-depth with all of it. But thank you all so much for joining us this and every week on Monorail Radio. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and rate us on your podcast platform of choice. Be sure to follow us on all of that social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Monorail Radio. And for links... For anything related to the show. It is going to be online at monorealradio.com. For Jackie, I'm Sean. Have a magical week, everyone. On behalf of Monoreal Radio, we'd like to thank you for joining us. We'll see you at the movies, the stuff dreams are made of.